So couple warnings, all right. First, I had a C4, which I shouldn't have because it's way too much caffeine. And if you know me, I'm a little high strung anyways. And if you really know me, you know that was a lie because I'm way high strung. Um, so way too much caffeine before I got up here. And then two, um, this is something I'm passionate about, um, and it's uh, something that's uh, potentially very offensive to people as I preach about it. And, and I have almost no notes, so I'm off the cuff on a lot of this because I didn't had too many things that I wanted to say. These are all dangerous things to be taking place, and thankfully my wife's not in the room right now, or she would just be leading me off of the stage and saying, that's going to be it tonight, folks. Um, but uh, what I want to talk about is just our culture in, in regards to truth. Um, we, we live in a world right now where, um, where truth is, is lost. Um, we live in a society where, where things are fluid, right? They're, they're constantly moving and constantly in, in motion. And I'm not gonna specifically call out um, certain things, but, but this is a, a term that, that is used quite often, and it's this, my truth. Uh, anybody in here heard that, my truth? This is my truth. Um, that's a lie straight from hell. You, you don't have a truth. Um, there, there's God's truth, and then there's your lie. And my truth is, your lie and what has happened in our society because this is the way that we operate is that um, we we're just kind of out there chaotically right and uh, we see this where um, society decides that something's okay and and we're not grounded in our faith and this is a a faith-based recovery right where we're centered on Jesus but there's this confusion in the church and and it's like God's word says this is is not okay but but society says it's a go so I'm gonna lean into society on this because I'm pretty sure that God's words um, you know antiquated and it's not relevant in my life anymore. And that was something that was written 2,000 years ago. And he really didn't have this in mind. And because of that, um, we, we find ourselves in these places of confusion. And we find ourselves leaning and drifting ever more slightly, and in some cases, ever more rapidly away from the things of God. And we're, we're changing. We're, we're attempting to change what God meant and what God intended through his word. And it's it's created, it's created people, and I've been guilty of this, people that, that call ourselves Christians and we don't understand that that's somebody who should be disciplined in their pursuit of God, that they should be disciplined in their understanding, that, that we've cherry-picked things to a point, um, that, that we've, we've actually lost our identity as a church, that we no longer look different. We're no longer uncomfortable in our faith. That's a dangerous place to be. That, that truly, as we come into the things of God, right, as we pursue recovery and, and pursue life differently, it should look different. It should be uncomfortable. You should stand out. But, but that's not what we've done because truth has become so fluid and so interchangeable with things that, that we really find ourselves in a place that, that people can't tell where the church ends and the world begins, that those, those lines have been blurred. And, and, and I get this, we're, we're called to be in the world, right? We're called to be amongst people who are broken. And even as we come into recovery and come into faith and attempt to change our lives and to pursue Christ, we still have to reach into those dark places and, and help people where we can. But there should be distinct lines and a distinct difference. And, and that's no longer the case because we've fallen victim to lies ourselves. We, we justify substance abuse, 
right, and say, well, it's, it's okay um, if I get hammered on the weekends as long as I, I go to church. And, and I know that I was uh, verbally abusive to my kids when I do that, and it's clearly an issue, but I've got it under control. And, 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 and clearly, you know, in this case, I don't have to be fully surrendered to the things of God that this is okay. Well, it's not. We sacrifice and things of culture and music and TV, and, and, and we lean into these things that, that are of the world. And, and, and the reason we do that is because we, we haven't defined what, what's true and what's right. We've, we've allowed the world to impact that, that worldview, right? We have a worldly worldview instead of a Christian worldview. And so tonight, I want to talk about being unchained from deceit. Um, and in order to do that, I want to talk about truth. I want to talk about the, the truth that, that we should pursue, that we have to stop making excuses for our behavior, that, that if we, you know, that if we're going to live the life that God's called us to, the, the bottom line is it's going to be hard. It's going to be uncomfortable. If you're going to walk out recovery, right, and, and in my point of view, recovery and faith are, they're, they're not they're interchangeable. They're one and the same because we're all recovering from a, a sinful lifestyle, right? That there's no difference. And if we're going to do that, right, if we're going to walk out recovery and walk out faith adequately, then we have to bring ourselves to a place that's uncomfortable. Um, we, have to, we have to be willing to have hard conversations, to, to evaluate ourselves in uncomfortable ways. Um, we have to be willing to have, to have a stance, Right to not be swayed about by by whatever comes along our ways. And so, why is truth important? I want to share with you out of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter four. We're going to start in verse eleven. Ephesians was written by the apostle Paul. This was a guy who was Saul, and uh, he was a guy that was not a believer early on when the church was starting. In fact, um, he was a guy who saw his entire world being turned upside down. Um, he he described himself as a Pharisee among Pharisees. Right, he was a devout Jew. Um, culturally, he was defined as a good man. And here, the church comes along and he thinks they're heretical, that they're destroying everything. And in some sense, I mean, they are upheaving um, culture in its entirety. Um, but, but Paul has an encounter with Jesus. And in Paul's encounter with Jesus, um, he, he's saved, he's transformed, um, and, and his life becomes incredibly uncomfortable. Because one, he has to recognize the fact that he helped kill Christians and now he is one. And I just, I don't know if you've ever been in a life group and you're like with somebody or just a circle, you know, a social setting. And you're like, I really don't like that person. I just imagine that, that Paul was, would be teaching at places occasionally. And I don't know this to be true, where he had helped uh, in the murder execution of somebody. And they're like, isn't that Saul, the guy that drug out like your brother and, and had him stoned in the streets? Yeah, that is, but he's saved now, like totally awkward. Um, but, but Paul's life was, was radically transformed and changed and uncomfortable. And in Ephesians, Ephesians 4.11, this was a letter he wrote to the church of Ephesus. He said, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. And I want to stop right there. If you guys didn't know this, I'm a gift to you. You're welcome. Um, take it up with God. And then it says their responsibility. Their responsibility is to equip. Say equip. Equip, And so when we think about equip, it's provide with the, the tools and the resources and the things necessary to do something, to equip God's people to do his work. Say his work. 
his work. So we know this, that, that the gifts that God gave the church, so the church's purpose in general is for us to be equipped to do God's work. And, and I only say that because some of us that just show up and we just consume and we consume and we consume and we're never giving back. And so you're actually here to do some of God's work and participate. Um, we'll get to that later. Um, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So what is the goal for us to be equipped? To do what? To do God's work until when? Until we're all in unity about God, right? Unified, measuring up to the standard of Christ. Now, Question, anybody in here there yet? No. So if we're not there yet, that means we should still be being equipped, um, right? And still be working, still be building up, still be pushing towards unity, but it's not unified behind the world's truth. That, that's where we miss it. There's, there's all these messages of unity going on in our culture today, and, and very few of them, almost none of them, are being unified behind the word of God. It's ideas of man where we miss it, and those are the things that get us off base and off mark, that, that we're being unified behind messages that don't come from God. That's the complete opposite of the thing that God's called us to, which is why truth is so important. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then he goes on in verse 14. He says, then, say then, then you will no longer be immature like children. Yes, some of us are immature like children, me included. There's times I'm incredibly immature. Um, my, my sister, um, she's not here right now. Um, I'm kind of uh, torn because, you know, I'm going to give her props, and I'm grateful she's not here to hear it. Um, um, but at the same time, I wish she was here present. But uh, she messaged me a few days ago, and she, she called out uh, the way I talk sometimes about people, and it's in an unloving manner. Um, and there's things that I'll say, and quite honestly, um, it's, it's wrong, right? Now, it's not that I'm cursing about them or, um, or doing this, that, and the other, but she said, hey, this is not really Christian or pastoral. Um, and, and so I remember waking up that morning, and, and at first, I get the message at 7.30. I'm not a morning person, and quite frankly, my initial response was I was really ticked off. Um, I'm like, Ugh. Like, this is not what I want to wake up to. I don't need to hear it from my little sister. What does she know? I'm Pastor Aaron, you know, like, and then I, I know this. I've learned this over time. I will never respond to you in the morning on a text message um, because my brain's not like firing on all cylinders yet. And the old me often comes out in those moments and, and nobody needs that. Um, so I wait um, and I wait till I can respond to her maturely. So like a week later, I get now. <laughs> About noon that day, <laughs> about noon that day, I go to type back the message and, and I, I type it out and I say, you're probably right, um, period. And I'm about to hit send. And um, I was telling the guys at the men's house this last night. Um, and then I look at it and I'm like, she's not probably right. She's just right. So I delete that and, and I just put yes, comma, you're right and sent it. And then she replied back, is this Janelle? Um, <laughs> and, but, but I'm, I have those moments where I'm, I'm immature in my faith and, and thankfully God used my sister to help me to see that. But then we'll be no, no longer immature like children. 
And so I fall victim to this. So that means that I'm still needing to be equipped. I'm still needing to lean into the things of God, to be built up, to be, to be mentored and, and to pursue truth. Then you'll no longer be immature like children after these things have taken place. Since we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever and they sound like the truth. And it's amazing to me, this is written almost 2,000 years ago, and you could take this right now, you could put it in a news article, publish it tomorrow, and it sounds like today. The tricks of the enemy haven't changed. Um, we think that the things that we wrestle with today are new ideas and, and, and that they're, they're fresh and somehow that, that we've, we're experiencing something different. No, man, the enemy's been coming at us with pride the same way he's always been coming at us with pride, trying to convince us that we know better than God. And the same stuff that they encountered when Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this to Ephesus is the same things that we, we encounter today. And it says, so we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. And we get these great messages. You've liked and shared the memes. I've seen it. Follow your heart. That's a lie straight from hell. That's a lie straight from hell. Don't follow your heart. It's deceitful. It's wicked. It leads you astray, right? And so we have these things that sound like truth. So clever, they trick us. So clever that sometimes I find myself wanting to like and share the same garbage until I'm dealt with and see this is, this is from the enemy. I'm being tricked here. This isn't truth. And it's why we have to know truth and to lean into truth. So we're not blown about by every wind of new teaching, every politician with shiny shoes, every great social movement that comes along with somebody who screams louder than the person before them, with every bit of garbage that comes across our newsfeed that sounds convincing. If we don't know truth, we fall victim to it because these things sound great. And we find ourselves drifting, fading, going back to the things of the world, going back to addiction, justifying every bit of it. And it's all lies. Lies so clever, they sound like the truth. Instead, say instead. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps other parts grow that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I think one of the greatest lies that we see, these lies so clever and they're, they're Im immeasurable, right? There's so many of them. And, and unity is always attached to that message from the world that we'll be unified, that we'll tackle these things and, and we'll, we'll have unity finally among men, the only problem is we'll only find unity behind God. And these things are divisive. They're meant to destroy. Remember, we have an enemy that roars around like a lion looking for whom he may devour. He's looking to, to tear us down, to steal, to kill, and destroy. And nowadays, he does it behind a banner of unity. When again, the only thing that will bring us together is truth. And the only truth comes from, from Christ, right? From God's very lips. And so again, we must, we must pursue truth with everything. Tonight, I want us to look at three facts 
regarding truths. I was going to put three truths regarding truths, but it sounded redundant, and I sound rednecked and uneducated enough. So I went with this. I hope that's okay. Um, but I want us to start in 2 Timothy. Um, it's a verse, one of my, one of my favorite um, to share. Um, and 2 Timothy, it's three, starting in verse 14. We're going to be going to 17. Um, so 2 Timothy was another letter written by the apostle Paul that was written to this guy, Timothy. Timothy was like a spiritual son to Paul, right? Paul mentored him, um, poured out <laughs> into him just this knowledge and, and cared for him and loved him. And, and so here in this letter, 2 Timothy, starting in 3.14, it says, but you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. That's a great thing just to kind of rest on. Again, that's 2 Timothy 3, 14. You must, must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know they are true, for you can trust those who taught you. You must have been taught, you, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting Christ. So the context of this particular passage is Paul saying, you must trust the things you've been taught in regards to God's word. In other words, you can trust God's word. God's word is true. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they're true, and they've given you wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting Jesus. So that's the context. And in, in reference, the, the measure for truth here is God's word, is God's word. And then it goes on to say this, all Scripture, say all Scripture, all scripture, that was really weak over in this area. We'll get to that later. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. Say true. 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 This, this group did a little bit better. You guys are killing it over here though. Um, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. I wanna pause on that. It, it's such a crazy concept. One that may be lost on you. So when it says all scripture, uh, that's the canon of scripture, the, the collection of, of books that we call our Bible, right? Our, our holy Bible. That's, that's all scripture is contained in that. From Genesis to Revelation, that's what Paul's referring to here. Those are things that were inspired by the Holy Spirit. All scripture and contained in that is inspired by God. I mean, it's useful for so much more than an ornament on your coffee table, right? It's useful for, for so much more to, than to make you look better than your neighbor, right? It's, it's, it's useful for things. It's, it's, it's useful to teach you what is true. And, and what that reveals to us, that if we face one of these things in culture, one of these lies that sound like truth, God's given us something that you can do this on days that aren't Sunday, and aren't Monday. And, and you can do it for more than the 68 minutes we have you then and have you tonight, right? You can open that up and you can read it. And you can say, I read this on the internet. Follow my heart. Is that something I should do? And God's word is so gracious to us that it lets us know that that's a crap statement and that that's stupid. Don't share that, right? That, that God's word helps us to see these places where we fall victim to deceit. And we can't look at it as something that, again, is antiquated, that that's irrelevant, that it's God's word breathed by him. 
inspired by the Holy Spirit to teach us what is true, to help us to realize what is wrong with our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Instagram doesn't do that, right? Reality TV shows don't do that. We spend so much time pursuing those things that look great, that look appealing, that satisfy our flesh. And it's nothing but deceit. We have to learn to, to unchain ourselves from those lies and, and to pursue truth that's found in God's holy, holy book, the holy Bible, his scripture. Lastly, in verse 17, it says this. It says, God uses it. Uses what? All scripture. Your Bible. God uses it to prepare. Say prepare. And equip. Say equip. His people to do every good work to do every good work. That, that's God's desire, right? To do every good work. And, and we're prepared and equipped through that, through God's holy Bible. And so point number one is if truth is acquired through discipline. Truth is acquired through discipline. We have to seek truth. We come to know truth through, through studying, through faithfulness, through discipline. And, and culturally right now, this is what I see. Somebody has a great idea, and, and we have these platforms, YouTube and, and social media, just in, incredible ways where some, some person, I'm not going to say idiot or anything. I know I caught, I'm growing. I'm growing. Um, some person that should not have a voice in our world to, in this day and age has a voice in our world, and, and they have this nonsense that they didn't, they didn't acquire they just thought about it one time, right? It's kind of like we used to sit around when we were 12 years old, smoking weed out of a pop can in the woods, you know, behind the trailer park, coming up with all sorts of nonsense. Just used to, it stopped there in the woods, right? But now those same people get on Instagram and TikTok and crap, and, and, and they present these things. And then other people are like, that's got to be real, right? That sounds so great, right? And, and nothing was done to acquire this so-called truth, and they start spreading it. And it spreads like wildfire, as lies typically do. And we, we lose sight of the fact that, that truth is actually acquired through discipline. And discipline is difficult, right? Discipline requires work. And so then we begin to share nonsense, and to apply nonsense to our lives because we're trying to take shortcuts. We don't want to seek it for ourselves. We want somebody to tell us. And we've got a whole generation of people in the church that, that have social media theology and social media understanding and, and, don't, and we don't know anything. And we've got to be so careful because we've got to seek the truth. What God's given us is, is precious, right? He's given us this life. For us, for us to guard, for, for us to use, right, to serve him, that there's something, something precious. It's bought and paid for by the blood of his son. And we have to apply truth to it if we're going to steward it well. We got to make sure that the things that we're doing is grounded in that, that all scripture. That it wasn't just some harebrained scheme concocted by some 12-year-old. We've got to know truth. And the truth is acquired through discipline. Let us turn to John 
14, as we look at point number two. Um, John is one of our, our gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John is the disciple whom Jesus loved. He was also known as one of the sons of thunder. And, and over time, God sanctified him, changed him, right? Um, and, and John's gospel is beautiful. Um, and John 14 is where we're gonna start. John 14, again, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John 14, verse one, it says this, don't let your hearts be troubled. This is Jesus speaking. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come get you so you will always be with me and know where I'm going. And so again, here Jesus is talking about the fact that he's going before us and, and he's gonna prepare a place in heaven for us. And then I love this. It says, no, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. You gotta love somebody who's just so honest. Like Jesus just makes this assumption. You guys know what I'm doing. And Thomas over there, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. Um, no, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we say we know the way? Jesus told him, I love this. Jesus told him, I am the way. Say the way. the way. I am the way, the truth. Say the truth. The truth. And the life. Say the life. the life. And I love this because he didn't say I am a way. He didn't say I am a truth. He didn't say I am the life. He was very definitive um, in, in his statement here, right? Very, very intentional. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. The way, the truth, the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And so when we're talking about truth, you cannot talk about truth without talking about Jesus because Jesus is the truth. That when it comes to things that are true, Jesus is the truth. Again, not a truth. Like when we look at all scripture is inspired by God. In the beginning of John, it says this, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. And so not only is our, our Bible inspired by God, but Jesus is the word. And so when we talk about the truth, you can't, you can't separate Jesus from the truth and you can't separate the Bible, right? The, the scripture from the truth, it is the truth. And that brings us to point number two, which is this, the truth is immutable. Now, I put immutable in there because it makes me sound smart and I like to sound smart occasionally. And many of you may be like me and be like, I don't know what that means. Can you tell me? Yes, I can. That's why I'm here. Thank you. Um, it says, the truth is unchangeable. It's fixed. It's set. It's inflexible. We live in a culture today where the truth is considered fluid. Again, that's where we get the nonsense, my truth. You don't have a truth. There's the truth. It's clear. It's there. And if you have attached your life to the belief that there's a creator God that loved you so much that he sent his one and only son in a body so that you could be saved and, and forgiven and, and have a, a way into heaven, the only way, right? If you've attached your life to that, you cannot have your truth. There's only the truth, right? That, that's the recognition that you need to attach to that, that Jesus is the truth and the truth is unchangeable. It's set, it's singular. There, there's only one truth, there's only one truth. And, and again, we live in a culture that tells us that, that happiness can be found here. You know, if, if only you, again, would follow your heart. If, if you would just pay $39.99 every month for the next 36 months, I can teach you how to, how to have joy, right? We, we, we pursue these things. 
and, and, and we follow this great teaching and, and we listen to this person who's so charismatic and none of their nonsense is grounded in the truth. And we gotta realize that there's only the truth. And if it's not the truth, then it's a lie because there's singular truth. And God's word is unchangeable because God is unchangeable. He was the same yesterday, today, and forever. And therefore truth is the same yesterday. Truth 2,000 years ago is truth today. It didn't evolve. Just because culture got more jacked up and messed up doesn't mean the truth changed. So what was true then is true now and it'll be true tomorrow. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is immutable. Let's turn to 1 Peter um, chapter 1 as we begin to close chapter 1. And we're going to be in verse 21. Um, and it says this. This is through Christ you've come to trust in God. I do want to pause and just remind you that, that if you're looking for notes, we have them on the YouVersion Bible app. I wanted to do that before now and I totally forgot. Um, but every week we put all of our notes on the YouVersion Bible app for your convenience. That way you're not flipping back and forth through pages or, or a Bible app or anything. Um, it's free. You can go to the events tab. You can see everything I utilize there. Um, but again, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, through Christ, you have come to trust in God. And you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. And then it says this, you were cleansed from your sins. I'm gonna pause right there. Sin is a word that um, has become a no-no word in today's culture in the church because, well, grandma talked about sin and sin made me uncomfortable. Um, sin just means anytime that, that we've missed God's standard for our life, right? If, if God has an expectation for you and you fail to meet said expectation, you're in sin, um, whatever that may be. If it, and we know God's expectations through God's word. Again, again, the Bible's great. It's a great tool for all aspects of life, um, but it says this, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. I love that. I love that. Again, the truth, I thought it was Jesus. Well, it is Jesus, but remember, Jesus and truth are inseparable. Jesus is the truth. So when you obeyed the truth, the truth about God, the truth about Jesus, the truth about sin, the truth about human depravity, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. And so point number three is this. The truth sets us free. It, it, it's, it's a place of freedom. And in God's word in today's culture has been twisted up so much that, that it's presented to us as a place of captivity, right? That it's a place that, that restrains us. And we have this nonsense um, going on in our world with this new truth, which is lies so clever, they sound like the truth, that somehow there's freedom to be had when you finally break away from it, when you become so enlightened that you know better than God. That's pride, right? But, but real truth sets you free. God's word reveals following the things of the world, satisfying the flesh, seeking those things over God leads to slavery. And anybody who's fallen into addiction knows that to be true, right? Those things lead to captivity, but there's freedom in God's word. There's freedom in Jesus. There's freedom in the truth. And sometimes we look at the truth and it looks restrictive, 
right? This is a great lie from the enemy. I can no longer do this. It's because God's got something so much better, so much more freeing, so much more joyous. And so again, point number three, the truth sets us free. John 8, 31 through 32, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The great lie of the world, the great deceit, <laughs> the, the wool over the eyes, <laughs> the curtain behind the great Oz is that, that somehow, some way, all of this keeps you from something and all of that all of that will, will free you, will bring you happiness, will, will lift you up, inspire you, take you to great heights. And it's, again, lies so clever that they sound like the truth. And they're lies so clever that at every turn, they're designed to keep you separated from God. They're designed to keep you from seeing what he has for you. They're designed to, to keep you from, from being freed, experiencing his plan and his purpose for you. I, I just wanna encourage you tonight, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what you're going through, to, to begin to, to seek what's true, not what's said loudly, but, but what's said through God's word. I want us to do this. Um, I want you to, to close your eyes and just begin just to, to spend a moment with God and begin to evaluate. It's so difficult <laughs> to do, but, but evaluate your life. Evaluate the things that you've bought into and ask yourself, is, is this true? Is it from God or is it from the world? God, I, I just pray. I pray for every one of this in this room, God, myself included. Lord, help me to see what is true, what's good, what's admirable, what comes from you. Help me, Lord, to stand firm against lies and wickedness, assaults from the enemy. Help me to stand firm, Lord, against those things that sound great and help me to see truth. No matter how uncomfortable, <laughs> Lord, no matter how difficult, I pray that each of us would be confronted with truth, that we would see it, that we would acknowledge it, and that we would accept it. Lord, give us the courage to accept it, the strength to accept it. And Father, as we lean into your good word, I pray that you would change us, mold us, shape us, and help us to be who you desire us to be. And I thank you, Father. I thank you for just our time together tonight. And Lord, our, our moments 
growing together, seeking you. And I thank you for every individual here, Father. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So tonight, as we talk about truth, again, you know, early on, we talked about how truth and and Jesus is inseparable. And so therefore, the beginning of accepting truth is accepting Jesus, right? Jesus is truth. And the truth is that we're all in desperate need of him. Every single one of us. We're incapable of saving ourselves. That, that he, Jesus, was, was God's son, God in a body sent to bring the world salvation. And so if you're in here tonight and you, you've never done that before, you've never leaned into that truth, that immutable truth, that you need him, that you can't save yourself, and that he was sent to save you. If you've never done that, I encourage you to do that tonight. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And here in just a moment, we're gonna have some people down front and they would love to pray with you and for you and and begin to, to lead you into that relationship with Jesus. A relationship that will start here, but it's up to you to carry on, right? To, to, to pursue beyond this moment. And maybe you're in here and, and you've done that before, but you've, you've gotten off track, you, you messed up, you missed it. And you're just wondering, can, can I come back? Man, I, I fell victim to, to one of those clever lies. Can I come back home? Absolutely. If you're in here tonight and, and you're ready to recommit, our same offer stands. Here in just a moment, we're gonna have some people down front and they would love to pray with you and for you so that you can recommit tonight. And then maybe God's just been dealing with something in your life. One of those things where you realized that was a lie. (laughs) I've been deceived. And you know that it's time to set it down, to get rid of it, to deal with it. If that's you, I wanna encourage you to come get one of our white ships. And so here in just a moment, you'll have an opportunity to step out of your seat, to come down front and grab one of these. And, and there's nothing special about this. It's a, it's a piece of plastic, I, I get that. But there's something special about that, that act of faith where we know when we step out of our seats and come down here in front of everybody that God's gonna move, that God's gonna deal with it. And so I encourage you that if that's you, there's something in your life that you need to let go of, that you need to deal with, you'll come down front, push past the uncomfortableness and grab one of these white chips. And then lastly, maybe you just need prayer. You're in here tonight and you just wanna know, will will somebody pray with me? Will somebody journey with me? Absolutely. This is a house of miracles and this is a house of prayer. And we would love, we would love to speak into your life, join you in prayer. And so if that's you, again, we wanna encourage you to come down front and it's, As our our prayers and huggers come down front, I just want to encourage everyone, if you would just stand to your feet tonight as we close in worship.